we are uh, in a series called Jesus for Real. Uh, this is part five of this series. Does anybody enjoy this series? I'm loving this series. I'm going to just do this for the rest of the year. It's going to be a 52-week series, if that's okay. Um, uh, but before we dive into the series, I want to let you know a couple things. Um, first, we have a QR code on the back of your seat. And right here, if you want to communicate with us, if you want to get baptized, if you want to commit your life to Jesus, if you got a prayer request, if you got a praise report, if you have anything that you want to communicate with us, you can do your offering through there. You can communicate everything that we do. We normally, we used to do the handout bulletin. Now we're all digital, okay? So you can just scan that QR code on the back of the seat or on the screen. Um, even from your TV at home, you can scan it, and then you can communicate to us through that QR code. Um, next week, y'all, is, uh, well, actually, t- this week, this Sunday, right after service, is step two. I want to invite you to step two wherever you are. Um, and, and, and we're fully fidgetal now with our next steps, meaning we're fully physical and fully digital. Right after service today, um, I'm going to be teaching step two. If you want to come to step two, it's all about joining the team, making a difference, finding a place to serve, using your gifts and talents to plug in to one family church. And I would love for you to come. We have some snacks for you uh, and some, I hate to say lunch because it's like lunchette. It's like a light lunch. Okay. Um, It's finger food. Um, But we have that for you um, right here at the U City campus. You'll just go straight out into the lobby and our Next Steps team will meet you out there and take you up to our family center. If you're at Shaw, uh, it's downstairs. There's the Next Steps team down there. And if you are online, we have it on demand um, on our website. So boom. Um, next week is Father's Day, everybody. Father's Day next Sunday. Um, oh man, that was sort of a piddly. <laughs> okay, dads, we like to guess. There we go. Come on, man. Let's hear it for the men of one family church. Ah. Um. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't set you up for that. I just, I just, I was just kind of, we did a golf clap for the men. But anyway, um, so that's going to be Father's Day. Bring all the men that you know. Uh, just drag them out here. Just say, hey guys, let's just come. It's going to be cool. We've got something special for all the men, uh, men and the boys. So let's bring them all out next Sunday. We're going to celebrate the men of One Family Church. We've got some amazing men at One Family Church and we want to honor you and we want to celebrate you. This isn't the kind of church where like Mother's Day is all like flowers and roses and then Father's Day, you, you, the men just get beat up. It's like, come on, men, you got to do better, right? No, we're going to honor and <laughs> some of you are like, oh yeah, I've been there. Uh, we're going to honor and celebrate the men. Praise God. Okay, um, Jesus for real. Let's get into it. All right, here we go. Um, I'm gonna start today uh, just by diving right into the scripture. Um, if you've been here for a few uh, weeks, you know what this series is about. It's about exploring the real Jesus. Like, what is the real Jesus like? Because we wanna have a real relationship with the real Jesus. We don't want a phony relationship with a fake Jesus. We want a real relationship. So the next, you know, over these last few weeks and over the next few weeks, we're diving into the scripture to see what did he really say? What did he really do? What was he really all about? Because that's who we wanna have a relationship with. We want our lives to be conformed and transformed into him. We don't want to try to transform and conform him to our lives, amen? Amen. So uh, Matthew 7, 1, I'm going to read straight through this and then we're going to get into it. Um, Matthew 7, 1, Jesus says, do not judge. Amen. And that's the end of my sermon. Thank you all for coming. This has been, um, that'll do it. I mean, that will actually do it. Do not judge or you too will be judged, Jesus said. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured against you. 
Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your eye? You hypocrite. Ooh, he just comes on strong right there. He just turns it. You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Today, for the next few moments, I wanna preach on the subject, when you get judgy. When you get judgy. Anybody ever get judgy in here? Is there anybody can admit to me today? You get a little bit judgy sometimes. If you don't have your hand raised, I'm judging you right now. I'm just judging, I'm right, judging you silently, right? We can all get a little judgy. How many of you, how many of you let, let me ask you a better question. This is more fun to answer. How many of you know somebody who can get judgy? There you go. If they're close, if they're sitting nearby you, just wriggle your fingers and then just real. I got you. Okay, all right, good, okay. Um, if you're online, just hit the like button if you know somebody who can get judgy. Um, if, you, if, if, if you raised your hand, let me just tell you, if you raised your hand because you know somebody who gets judgy, or if you hit the like button because you know somebody who gets judgy, let me just tell you, you judge somebody for getting judgy. So now you're judgy too, okay? We're all in this together, right? I can tell you that I can get judgy at times. Um, Mimi is, shouldn't be, don't shake your head, Mimi. Mimi's like, yeah, yep, no. Um, I can get judgy, and in fact, while I was preparing this sermon, uh, I'm starting to judge somebody right now. Um, um, <laughs> and so are you. Um, <laughs> uh, when, when <laughs> I made a list this week and my list is called when I get judgy. And what I did is I just listed out the times where I'm tempted to judge other people. Okay. I'm just going to read you my list. This is just my list. This might not apply to you. I get judgy when I'm driving because other people just don't drive as good as me. I'm just telling you, they just, they wait, they're on the phone, they text, you know, they're too slow. They're too fast. I judge. I get, I get judgy when somebody shows up late to a meeting. I get judgy when I visit other churches. I do. I watch other sermons online and I just, I kind of like judge. The, I just judge, you know, like I wouldn't have said it like that, you know. I get judgy when I find spelling or grammatical errors. Oh, wow, we got some grammar people up here. Don't judge me if there are any errors in the slides this week. I get judgy when I scroll Instagram. I just judge. I get judgy when I scroll Facebook. I get judgy when I scroll Twitter. I get judgy when I scroll TikTok. I stopped, judging. I stopped scrolling TikTok. I was getting too judgy. I get judgy when I read the news, when I go to restaurants, when I go to stores, when we run out of milk at the house. <laughs> when something isn't right at my house that doesn't directly fall under my one, one of my express duties, I get judgy. Basically, when anything in my private or public life is not perfect and it wasn't my fault, I have a tendency to get judgy. Do you, do you know what, I'm, do you know what it, I'm talking about, somebody out there? Basically, whenever I interact with other human beings, there's a temptation. Now, let me tell you, when I, I made another list. Here's when I don't get judgy. I don't get judgy when I mess up driving. I don't get judgy when I show up late to a meeting. I don't get judgy when I come to our church. I don't get judgy when I make spelling or grammatical errors. I don't get judgy when I look at my Instagram or my Facebook or my Twitter, and I don't have a TikTok, but I wouldn't get judgy 
about that either. I don't get judgy when I mess up at work. I don't get judgy when my duties at home aren't accomplished to a T. I don't get judgy when anything in my private or public life goes wrong and I'm directly responsible for it. In other words, when, when I mess up, I like to provide clarification and explanation and justification for why it went wrong. You know what I mean? Like when I mess up, I don't want to be judged. I just get tempted to judge somebody else when they mess up. You know what I'm saying this morning, somebody? Come on, I'm going to need you to get with me this morning because otherwise I'm going to feel like the only judgy person in this place. And I know you guys judge too. I just know you do. Um, In fact, I'm going to give you 10 key indicators that will help you determine whether or not you are a judgy person. Ready? Number one, you magnify other other people's negative traits while minimizing their positive characteristics. And this is really a matter of like, where do, you, where, do you, where do you arrange the sentence? Do you say, I know he's a great guy, but he really has a problem with this. Or do you say, he has a problem with this, but he's a really great guy, right? You're saying the same thing, but it's the order, right? Because you can, de- you can decide wh- whether you're gonna magnify somebody's positive traits or whether you're gonna minimize their positive traits, whether you're gonna magnify their negative traits or whether you're gonna minimize their negative traits. Um, number two, you're quick to jump to conclusions, you just think you know, like right out of the gate. You hear something, you just, this means, this is an indication that you're a judgy person. You assume you know somebody's motives. Have you ever had some, somebody just assume they know your motives? And they might be completely off base, but it's, it's, it's what we do. We, we see an activity or a behavior and we think immediately that we understand why the person's doing it. Um, you, number four, you reject people with whom you disagree. Wow, it's just totally silent. <laughs> completely silent. Um, we do that, folks, by the way. Uh, we, just, we, just unfriend, we just unfriend people we don't agree with. We just unfollow, I'm gonna unfollow you unless you echo my views and thoughts and my ideas, I'm just gonna cut you out. Um, so uh, that's, you reject people. Uh, number five, you shut people out who annoy you. Kind of the same thing, but just a little more on the feeling front. Number six, you make assumptions about a person's character based on limited observation of their behavior. And what that means is like somebody does something and then you immediately impute a character trait to them, right? That may or may not be them. It's just there's a situation that arose. Like if somebody cuts you off in traffic, you immediately make assumptions about that person, right? They might be on their way to the hospital because they're about to have a baby, right? But, but you're just going to go, what a jerk, right? So that's, that's what that is. You, you make assumptions about a person's character. Number seven, you justify your criticism as the truth. You know somebody like that? Look, I'm just telling the truth. I'm just a truth teller, you know. If you don't want to know, don't ask me because I'm going to tell you the truth. Okay. Well, what you're really doing is you're telling an exaggerated version of the truth. You're focusing on a specific part of the truth, but you're ignoring other parts of the truth. Don't mean to judge you, but, and that's what you're doing. Okay. Number eight, you regularly have a negative outlook. This is another indicator. Number nine, your judgment of others supports your sense of moral superiority. Did you ever notice that? Like your sense of when you judge someone, it actually heightens your sense of superiority. And number, uh, that's number nine. Number 10, you just wish everybody would listen to you. Like if everybody just listened to me, then it would be right. You know, this is, these are the 10 key indicators that you might be tempted by being a bit of a judgmental person, right? And here's the problem with judgmentalism. And this is, I'm being kind of fun and facetious, but, but it's actually very, very serious because with other sins, it's clear that you're sinning. Right? With other sins, it's like if you're stealing, lying, cheating, 
you know, uh, being mean, violent, you know, uh, whatever. Whatever it is, you know that's a sin. Judgmentalism doesn't feel like a sin. It actually feels kind of like righteous. It actually feels like you're standing up for something that's right. Because you're saying, well, this is right, and that's not right, and I'm right, and you're wrong. And so it's, a, it's one of those sins that is very, very tricky because it gets into you without you even knowing that it's there because it doesn't feel like a sin. In fact, this is why Jesus leans so hard into judgmentalism. This is why that kind of a sin was such a big deal to him. He reserved all of his most vitriolic language for the Pharisees and the hypocrites and the, the people who judged other people because it was easy for the, the, the normal sinners to know they were sinning and to go, my God, I'm sinning, help me, right? But it's hard to know that you're sinning when your sin is judgmentalism. It's hard to see that as a sin because it feels so righteous. But Jesus, in this passage, I'm gonna, I'm gonna break out kind of how we're gonna do it today. I'm gonna give you the three reasons in this, pa- in this passage why he says, don't, don't judge, okay? And then I'm gonna give you three ways to get out of that spirit, that judgmental spirit, okay? One of the reasons that uh, he says not to judge, if you look at uh, the first verse, he says, do not judge or you too will be judged, Notice the focus on this. In fact, next verse he says, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In other words, what he's saying here is, if you judge, the reason that you, if you judge, it's gonna be problematic to you because judgmentalism damages you. Even though it doesn't feel like it damages you, it damages you to judge other people. And here's why. God, God said, Jesus in this passage says, you're going to be judged harshly if you judge other people harshly. Why does it make God angry when we become judgmental? Why? Why is he so upset about this? I'll tell you why. The reason is because when we become judgmental, we put ourselves in the seat of God. Have you ever had somebody take, try to do your job for you? And it's like, this is my job. Uh, years ago, I was, I was with my son, Jameson, and we we're at the park, and Jameson loves to climb trees. He's just a climber. He's a competitive rock climber, and he climbs all, he just climbs stuff. He climbed his high chair before he could even walk. Climb in, climb out. The dude climbs all the time. So we're hanging out at the park, and he's climbing a tree. And so I'm at the bottom of the tree, and I'm watching him, and he's climbing the tree, and he's doing a great job, and we're having a good, good father-son moment. Well, somebody comes over uh, from in the park, another adult, and basically says, you need to get that boy out of that tree because he's gonna fall. Now, this person was well-intended, okay? But I got this kind of thing. You know what I mean? If you're a parent, (laughs) like I didn't authorize you to tell my child what to do. I'm in charge of my child. So I can actually, I got this situation totally under control, right? So I mean, I gently said, thank you for your input, but like that's not really your jurisdiction, right? Because because (laughs) that's my jurisdiction. That's just the way I felt, right? When you judge other people, God says, hey, that's not really your jurisdiction. That's my jurisdiction. You see, I'm the judge because actually I know the pain they've been through. You don't know the pain they've been through. I know the struggles that they've experienced. You don't know the struggles they've experienced. I know how far they've come. You don't know how far they've come. So you're not in a position to judge because I'm the judge. The judgment seat is only wide enough for one seat. It's God's seat in the judgment seat. If you try to sit up in his seat with him, he's going to get very upset with you because you are now, you're now putting yourself in the seat of judgment. This is why Jesus over and over says, do not judge because if you judge, then I'm just going to allow the verdict and the sentence process, sentencing process that you imputed towards this other person to be applied to you. And you don't want that, 
right? Because all of us like judgment and justice when it's rendered against somebody who's done something wrong. None of us like judgment or justice when it's rendered against us, even when we've done something wrong. If I do something wrong, I want mercy. I want grace, man. I don't want justice, right? So if we, are un- if we unjustly judge other people, then God will allow that same application to apply to us. So that's the first reason he gives. Don't judge people because it will actually damage you. Then in verse four, this is where he starts to move into another reason. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? So this is a good question. And what he's really saying here is, he's, he's not saying that, that they shouldn't have a speck. He's not saying that they, that they shouldn't have help getting the speck out of their eye. If you've ever had something in your eye, you know you need help getting out of it, right? Like if you ever get a piece of dirt or sand or even an eyelash in your eye, don't you go to somebody and go, can you please help me get this? Do I have something in my eye? Because it burns. It hurts, right? So in this passage, he's saying they actually have something wrong with them, but you're not in a position to help them at that moment. Why? Because you have a plank in your eye. I'm going to give you a physical illustration. Can I, have, can I just have this plank? This is, a, this, is a, this, is a, this is what Jesus is talking about. Think about it. So basically, I want you to do something for me this morning. I want you to just imagine the last time you got, remember the last time you got something in your eye. Do you remember the last time you got something in your eye? Like how painful that was. It kind of burns. It's kind of like, kind of panicky a little bit because it just hurts so bad. Okay, now remember that. Put yourself in that state. What if I come to you and I go, Hey, let me help you with that. <laughs> Come here. I got you. Let me get this out of your eye. I got you, right? I'm going to get this out of you, right? You might have a problem that you need help with. You just don't need my help. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because if I try to help you, I'm going to hurt you. Come here. Let me get this out of your eye. I got you. Come here, right? I'm going to harm you while I'm trying to help you if I've got a plank in my eye and you have a speck in your eye. Come on, somebody. Judgmentalism. Judgmentalism damages you, but judgmentalism damages them. Because now you are going to harm somebody who has a real problem that needs real help. But if you try to help them while you have this huge plank in your eye, you're going to hurt them. I read some research this week where uh, they interviewed mostly like Gen Z, Gen Y, um, uh, uh, people who, let, who no longer attend church, who don't attend church. And a third of them, actually almost, almost a third of them, 32% of them cited as one of the number one reasons is that they felt judged. They just felt like the church was a judgmental place, right? And so they said, you know, we, it's not that we don't feel like we have problems. It's just that when we, when we come, we just feel like we're getting hammered, right? We're just getting bonked over the head with a plank because, you know, somebody's, maybe they're trying to help us, but they're judging, right? So, so judgmentalism actually damages them. This is why Jesus was very, very strong against the Pharisees and the religious people because he didn't want to further harm the people who were already hurt, right? Listen to what he says uh, in, in, listen to this scripture. He says, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. He says, you travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. This is the third reason that we're given for not judging because judgmentalism is contagious, Judgmentalism is contagious. Judgmentalism will, will infect the person who is being judged. 
When I, when I was a teenager, I left the church. I walked away from the church as about 19 years old. And one of the reasons that I cited was, ah, oh, you know, kind of the reason that a lot of people cite when they leave the church. Church is too judgmental, too many hypocrites. You know, it's just judgmental, right? And I kind of rode that, that reasoning for a while. That was, my, that was my answer to why I left the church. And I, I you know, years into it, I, I was with a guy who uh, is a dear family friend of mine. And I was basically riffing on how judgmental the church was and how hypocritical the church was. And that's why I'm not part of the church, right? And he listened to me for a moment and he was very wise. And he said, Brent, he said, listen, if I can be honest with you, he said, it sounds like the thing that you hated the most in the church is what you've become. <laughs> I was like, oh, he goes, you hated the judgmentalism you saw, but, but all I'm hearing from you is judgment. He said, you hated how harsh and how, but all I'm hearing, so you're doing what you hate. You've become what you hate, right? Judgmentalism is contagious. So let me just say this to all, any of you who are like on the fence about Jesus because of your experience in church and you're thinking, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to justify judgmentalism and hypocrisy in the church because that's exactly what I'm preaching against. But what I want to say to you is don't become what you hate. Don't, don't allow the judgmentalism and hypocrisy of other people turn you into a judgmental and hypocritical person, right? Because now, you're, now, now you become a perpetuation of that, of that same problem. It's contagious. It's contagious. Um, so here, here's, the, here's the question that I want to get to. We see these reasons in this passage why judgmentalism is so damaging. It's damaging to you. It's damaging to the people that you're judging. It's contagious. It spreads. So how do we get out of this trap? How do we get out of it and live a life that is actually the kind of life that Jesus is calling us to live? Look at verse 3 again. I want to take you back. I'm just, we're just going meticulous through, meticulously through this passage. Is this helpful to anybody? I mean, this is kind of a teaching sermon. Okay. So Matthew chapter 7 verse 3 says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? So he's asking a question. I want to I actually try to answer that question. He says, why do you pay attention to their speck and you don't, see the, you don't pay attention to the plank in your eye? And I think the answer to that question is because after you've had a plank in your eye long enough, you can't see out of that eye anymore. It becomes a blind spot. Anybody ever experienced a blind spot? One of the ways that we have that we have to one of the ways that we can stop becoming judgmental ourselves is to invite other people to reveal our blind spots. Let other people reveal our blind spots. This cannot happen on your own, by the way. You cannot see your own blind spots. They are called blind spots because you are blind to them. You cannot see them on your own. Other people can see them. Has anybody ever tried to sell a house? Anybody in the, ever, you know, we just sold a house. We just moved, we moved about a half mile, but it was just a brutal experience. I never am going to ever move again, um, which is what I said last time. Um, but one of, the, one of the worst things about moving is that an inspector comes to your house and the inspector's job is to find defects in your home, right? And so they come, and man, they just look around at every little thing and they make a note of every little thing, right? Now, here's the thing. They find things 
that you have been looking at for 10 years, but you've never noticed. Because you have, you're used to it. It's a blind spot. They go through and say, well, this is wrong, and this is wrong. And you're like, actually, I never noticed that. I've been living here for over a decade, and I've never noticed you know, that that door handle was wobbly like that. I've just kind of accustomed myself to that, right? We, we get used to things. Inspectors come and say, here are the problems. Now, we like it. If we're buying a house, we like for the inspector to get real nitty-gritty on the house that we're buying because we can then use that report to leverage a better price for the house. <laughs> you know what I mean? But we don't like them to get nitty-gritty on our house. But if we don't allow them to reveal the, 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 the issues in the house, then the issues cannot be repaired. So in our life, we have to invite other people to be inspectors into our life. We have to allow other people to, to come into our life and say, all right, l- let's just be real with each other. What do you see in me and what do I see in you? This is the entire reason we do life groups, by the way. We do life groups because life groups help you grow spiritually. The way you grow spiritually is not just by being off by yourself. Because listen, we've been in a pandemic for a year, right? All of us have been off by ourselves. And while we're off by ourselves and not having real community with one another, we're growing planks in our eyes, right? (laughs) And so we need to come together so that we can begin to heal and to grow again. So we can grow spiritually. We can, we, can, we can have other people speak into our lives and we can speak into their lives. So we need to have people reveal our blind spots. But we don't want to stop with that. We don't want to stop with people revealing our blind spots. We actually need to be able to remove our blind spots. We need to, Jesus said, he said, he said take the plank out of your eye. Remember that scripture? I think it's verse three, uh, verse five. Take the plank out of your eye. So it's not enough just to have it revealed. We've got to have it removed. We got to invite God to remove our blind spot. Uh, when we were renovating the Shaw campus down in, 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 down in Shaw, we were down there um, renovating that thing for years, <laughs> uh, months, and um, felt like years. And one of my favorite tasks was to use the grinder, the metal grinder. If you guys have never used a metal grinder, it is so fun to use. I strongly recommend it. Um, there's going to be a metal grinder for every man at Father's Day next week. Every man gets a metal grinder. Um, it is just you, the inner He-Man, just it, because it sparks, it's cutting through metal. It's just like, it is so awesome. But I, I was not wearing my eye goggles. And so I'm grinding away on the metal, and uh, I'm not wearing my, my eye goggles. And sure enough, a hot piece of metal flies right into my eyeball. You remember this, Art? You remember? And uh, I just didn't feel good. It wasn't great. It's not what I signed up for. Um, we have an optometrist in our congregation, a retired optometrist named Mike Klein, and he was serving down there every day and volunteering. I said, Mike, I think I got something in my eye. And uh, he said, yeah, you, you, you need to go get that taken care of. He was already retired. He didn't have a place. So I went down to Clarkson Eye Care and sat down, and I just had them get in there and get that thing out. It's not enough to have it uh, revealed. You've got to have it removed, right? We need, to, we need to pray that prayer that we prayed at the beginning of the service today. R- reveal in me, Lord, what's in my heart. Renew in me a clean heart, right? And create a right spirit within me. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to get into our heart and extract the things that need to come out. Take the plank out of your own eye, he said, right? But it doesn't end with that. And I'm gonna close with this. It doesn't end with having this taken out of our eye just so that we can see better. 
the last line in this passage, he says, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Everybody forgets this part of the teaching. Everybody thinks it's just about not judging. It is about not judging. But it's also about getting your eyesight right so that you can go to the person with a speck in their eye and gently and humbly help them remove that speck from their eye. We, we have an opportunity to be different here, guys, at One Family Church. We have an opportunity to be completely different from the world around us, right? Jesus is saying, look, I want this judgment out so that you can see clearly. When you see clearly, then you can serve effectively and you can come and help me close. Today, today we are um, offering step two. Um, step two is that session where we invite you to come and to be a part of our team and to find a place to serve, uh, to serve somebody else in an area of your strength to the glory of God. We're doing it at both campuses. I'm gonna be teaching it here. Um, Pastor Mark's gonna be teaching it down at Shaw and, uh, and it's available online. But what we really want to do as a church, and I think we have a very unique opportunity, church, to be different from the world. Because right now, I'm gonna say this. The church has struggled with judgmentalism and it has become contagious and the culture has now adopted the position of judgmentalism as well. And so we're just judging each other, right? If we disagree, we're just pointing fingers across the, across the aisle. That's, all, that's, that's where we have gotten to as a society. The Christian faith does not have to be that. The Christian faith has an opportunity to walk a different path. It's not that we ignore the speck in our brother's eyes. It's that we remove the log in our own so that we can help remove the speck from our brother's eyes. It's a very different model than walking around with a plank in our eye and just judging people, right? It's a very different picture. I want us as a congregation, as a church family, to, to lean into the way Jesus is calling us to serve people. He's, he's, he's not calling us to be hands off and say, oh, can't make any judgment calls whatsoever about anything. That's not what he's doing. But he's also not calling us to say, I'm gonna barge in and I'm gonna take that speck out of your eye whether you want it out or not. No, he's saying, look, let's do some rigorous self-examination. Let's ask God to cleanse our hearts, purify our lives, purify our minds so that we can gently and carefully and effectively serve somebody else. I'm just gonna pray for us this, this morning because I, I, I want us to leave here with a, with a bit of tension in our hearts. The tension of what do I need to be drawn out of my life? God, what do I need to be drawn out of me? What's the log in my own eye right now? And then where can I lean in and begin to draw the speck out of somebody else's eye? Right? That's the middle ground that he's calling us to. So I, I just feel like we need to take a moment, all of us, and it, it maybe just silently repent of whatever it is that's in our heart that needs to be drawn out. I know several things that I can just pray about right now in my own heart for myself. If you need help, knowing what yours are, just come and ask me and I'll just tell you. No. 
we all have things in our heart. We all have blind spots in our own heart, in our own mind, in our own eye. Let's just take a moment as we close today and pray that God would draw those out and then let's lean in and serve effectively, serve our community with joy, with strength, and with health, and with wholeness. Let's go a different route. Let's be different. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now. All of us have failures and, and, and sins and um, wrong attitudes, wrong mindsets that we're just living under. And sometimes because of the shame of that, we strike out at other people. We are judgmental because judgmentalism gives us a sense of moral superiority. And rather than deal with the issues that we have in our own lives, we judge other people uh, for their problems and their sins and their failures. God, I pray that you would correct us today, individually and collectively, individually as each person here, but also collectively as the church around the world. Let us not try to get the speck out of somebody else's eye while we have a plank in our own. God, I pray that the individual sins and failures and flaws that each of us have in our own lives would be drawn out by you today. I pray that we would come together and, and be together in, in small groups where we can grow together, we can learn from each other, we can discover our own blind spots just from interacting with those who we love and those who love us. I pray, Lord, that we would lower our guard and that we would um, put our trust in you. I pray, Lord God, that we would be humble and that we would allow the, the, that self-righteous spirit to just melt away from us as we are vulnerable to you, to your grace and to your love. And God, I do pray that we would then um, just make the decision to serve your people. Just lean into serving, doing what you've called us to do, fulfilling our destiny by using our gifts to serve somebody else to your glory. I pray that each and every person here, Lord, would begin to step into um, that righteous calling of service. And I pray, Lord God, that all that we do would be done in a way that brings you honor and praise and glory. Father, we lift you up and we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.